Hello, and welcome to Abe We Consulting's very first fireside chat, where we'll address the most complex problems in B2B and B2C businesses and make them as simple as ABC. Here, we'll be sharing the newest marketing business and sales technologies and strategies, highlighting stories from top leaders in CX, sales, and IT, and hearing from them as they provide valuable knowledge on industry best practices or their viewpoints on the most cutting edge technologies or management approaches. I'm Anvi Bui, founder and principal consultant here at A. Bui Consulting. In today's chat, we'll be exploring the people culture at cutting edge companies, but this time we aren't taking the usual approach of looking at it from an executive's perspective. Today, we'll be talking about those critical folks who make that executive's vision happen, the employees. To delve into this topic, I am very excited to welcome Anna Rouse. Over the course of her career at corporations like Microsoft, Salesforce, Spotify, and Amazon Web Services, she leads complex digital transformation projects, builds lasting relationships, and creates multi-million dollar partnerships to drive revenue growth. Anna is passionate about technology, partnering with clients to build actionable roadmaps for amazing customer experiences, and is committed to long-term success. Outside of work, she enjoys running, cycling, and learning new sports, including tennis and surfing. She's an avid traveler and a proud mom of an eight-year-old son named Christopher. Welcome, Anna. Hi, Anvi. So great to see you. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. We have seen the tremendous impact that COVID-19 has had on workplaces of every single industry. This last year has forced many to reevaluate what is and is not working for them in more ways than one. So the question is, you know, why were there so many C-suite executives interviewed about their experiences this past year and how their lives were affected, how their businesses were affected? shouldn't the focus be on the backbone of every company, the employees? So Anna, how do you think 2020 has influenced the way many of these businesses will function moving forward? Has technology enabled this for good or for evil? Yes, Andy, I am passionate, as you know, about the topic overall. And again, thank you for an opportunity to allow me to speak with you about this exciting topic. I think the future of work continues to evolve. Um, the hybrid work model, especially in the tech industry, is here to stay. Um, the explosion of video conferencing, business communication platforms, and cloud computing will further determine the way we communicate with customers, coworkers, and the internal and external C-suite. The HR departments will have to shift their business processes to accommodate the hybrid and remote life cycle of the employee. And Truthfully, I'm curious to see other innovations as we work uh, in a post-pandemic environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Do you feel that employees want these innovations to continue and to give them access to being connected to their companies and their employers? Or do you feel like they may want a little bit less? They want a bit of a break. How, how do you feel about that? I think it depends on the industry. Um, definitely in the tech industry, everyone is um, elevated by access to a lot of the platforms and communication solutions that allow them to work from home. 
I'm sure also there are industries where um, none of this is possible or only some of it is possible. So I think we'll have to watch closely to see which of the industries fully benefit from uh, the applications and cloud computing solutions that allow people to be remote. Um, to answer your question, I think um, it's, uh, it's going to be a test and try. And I think mm -hmm. the next couple of years are going to reveal as to whether or not we as humans are really designed to do this remotely. So overall then, what do you think contributes to happier employees? You know, and I think there's so many factors and, and both pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, right? Um, uh, there's a number of, of factors that contribute to the employee happiness. Fundamentally, it is the culture of the company and its values that drive the overall happiness. And when you look at the top companies that continuously get selected um, as top places to work for, right? Um, when you dive deeper into their cultures, you then start wondering what it is that they're doing differently than other companies. Um, it ties back to their values and the way they um, treat employees, the way they engage employees in the life cycle process. Um, but, you know, on the other side, um, you have to ask yourself, are the company's values fully executed by the management? Or is it just a nice to have statement on the website because everyone is looking closely as to right. whether or not the companies are um, diversifying their workforce and being mindful of, of the diversity. Um, the other aspect that I wanted to call out is the full employee lifecycle management from, from hire to retire, right? I think, and I'm sure many listeners um, have been in situations where they have mixed experiences, being onboarded, um, being um, trained, um, and being treated in their workplaces all the way through their last day of employment, right? So how that process is managed, and especially now in the remote workplace, um, is going to be critical on how employees rate their workplaces. And then I think the right. third aspect, um, which I think is personally important to me, is skilled management, um, who manages vertically and horizontally, works with individual contributors to elevate their performance and drive values for the customers. Um, so between those three aspects, I think um, those three highly contribute to the employee happiness. And I'm sure there's a lot more than this, um, but those three are critical for me personally. Absolutely, absolutely. This this sort of management, this leader. There's a there's a very new hot topic swirling around right now, and that is the idea of a listening leader. So I want to ask you, what is a listening leader for our for anyone out there who does not know, and and how do we get these C-suite executives to become listening leaders? That's such an interesting question, Anvi. I've been thinking a lot about how to best answer it. And um, before I do, I actually wanted to call out a, a personal example. Um, mm -hmm. Perhaps some of the users, uh, listeners on this call have um, read or heard of a book by Emily Chang called Brutopia. It, it was truly a breakthrough um, book and storytelling that called out the flaws of the education system and the workplaces that favor ma male candidates. As a foreign woman, 
I've witnessed situations where minorities, people of color and females would be bypassed for promotion or treated based on stereotypes. It is 2021 and sadly not a lot has changed outside of the headlines promoting fair and inclusive workplaces. Um, it is definitely an area where the C-suite um, has to be active, listen, and make necessary adjustments in real time, and more so, make sure that um, that's executed through mid-level management across the companies. So hopefully that gives you um, an idea of how I think about um, listening leaders okay. and those who have compassion. That's a, That's really a great personal example and i imagine that is not one where you are alone you know at also as as a woman of color working in tech um, for as long as i have it's it's a very interesting concept one that i'm sure you and i could have a secondary fireside chat about specifically <laughs> but absolutely yeah no i completely agree with you and um again it's called brotopia correct emily chang Brotopia, Emily okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna add that to my Amazon list. Although now that you're at Amazon, maybe you can uh, maybe you can send me one. <laughs> I can send you one. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, yeah, absolutely. I love I love that response, and I really want to continue on to this concept again of listening leader. And in regard to our topic today, how can these executives create that structured and consistent way to listen to their employees? Yes, and again, Ani, it goes back to my initial statement around the company culture. Um, I believe the structured listening is a culture-driven activity. Regular surveys, management and employee feedback sessions, and ongoing communication are key to the success of any workplace. And again, a lot of it is driven by the quality of managers who step into these roles and how willing are they to get to know their employees and work with them individually to elevate their performance? I, I am curious, kind of just with your tremendous experience in the industries that you've worked in, whether it's particular to high tech or just high paced, high demand companies, how do you feel that these efforts that are being taken, how do they impact company culture? We now shift into the, the values view of that of that company and these efforts. Yes, and, and again, I think that oftentimes there is a gap between company values and the actual execution. Creating a culture committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and leveraging unique perspectives to scale impact and growth it's critical to maintain a trusted working environment. Um, like I've mentioned, I've worked in different working environments where uh, that culture was fostered and promoted. And I've also worked in places where that was not a case. And I would highly encourage everyone uh, in the management layer from C-suite to mid-level management to be uh, mindful of these priorities uh, because they definitely are going to impact company culture and how employees perform in that culture. Okay, and so let's talk about, you know, whether it's a personal story or your personal perspective, but from what you have seen and experienced specific to the tech industry, we're part of our 
audience might might be from, uh, where I primarily work, where where we met in Silicon Valley. Where do you see the largest gaps between what a leader has asked for and what the employees are expected to deliver in terms of that that sort of that culture, the the listening? Where is it where there is that gap, right? Like the executive is asking for something, maybe they don't listen to their employees, um, and employees are feeling like they're holding the bag. How do, how do we address that? Yes, and um, I will try to answer your question, but let me know if I'm here on the right track. Um, mm-hmm. One of my favorite leadership principles is a principle often talked about by Jeff Bezos, um, Amazon's former now CEO, um, have backbone, disagree and commit. Um, leaders are obligated to respectfully challenge decisions when they disagree. And I would expect it from any manager um, even when, when doing so is uncomfortable or exhausting. Um, leaders have conviction and are tenacious. And that's exactly what I would expect <laughs> from yes. a manager. Um, they do not compromise for the sake of social cohesion. Um, however, once a decision is determined, uh, they commit to it. And they give their employees the right to execute the way they desire because they're potentially closer to the customer or they are more intimately familiar with the details of the task or the work that needs to be performed. So like I said, it is absolutely important for the leaders to challenge the decision or question and influence it potentially. Um, But once that decision is determined, they have to commit and support their employees in that execution. And I think- that um, principle, uh, that leadership principle is key. And um, I highly encourage uh, leaders who haven't tested it yet um, to do so. Yeah, and that's actually a great example. I mean, that that absolutely hit the nail on the head. I always kind of revisit this topic of, you know, Silicon Valley, because that's where there's a lot of perception, which is, you know, for the, for the most part, in my experience, um, has a sliver of truth in, in what I've seen um, in, in various parts where it is extremely uh, intense. There are very a lot of demands in that space um, from a culture perspective uh, for employees to perform. For me, having heard, um, you know, at various companies, including Google, where they've done surveys to say, like, how does that employee feel? Um, that they can be at their top performance, so high-performing teams. An example is this level of psychological safety that they feel being able to do kind of what you just described, right? Like just have backbone, disagree and commit, where you're being asked to respectfully challenge decisions. How does that leader make sure that their employee feels that they can do that? Yeah, and I think that, again, goes back to the skillful management, right? Um, I will give you, a, again, a personal example, mm-hmm. but I think it's, it's, it's valid. Um, my husband has managed um, big engineering teams for many, many years of his career, right? And one thing that I've uh, always appreciated about uh, our conversations in the management space has been around how do you fine tune yourself as a manager to an employee? And the answer is that there is no cookie cutter prescription that every person is different and you have to work with these um, employees individually, almost um, learning how to influence them, 
uh, working with them to understand where they come from, what are their top goals, desires, and what really motivates them to do the best work they can. Um, and then also at the same time, learning about the spectrum of tasks and things that they are working on. Um, so you can point them in the right direction as you, as you try to develop their skill set. Um, I think it's a, it's a really critical uh, and, and, and fundamental understanding of the management job. Because without it, um, sometimes I fear, and I've witnessed it too, that a lot of managers um, have a cookie-cutter prescription. They, they demand that everybody behaves the same way, follows the same set of rules, and uh, performs the same way. And that's actually not a case. And the remote nature of our work, it will even further challenge that. So right. fine-tuning the management skill set to this fast-changing environment is going to be critical for everyone to be successful. Okay, well, let's let's talk about this this manager, and let's talk about the management styles or types. Whether it's thanks to this technology enablement that's coming up, um, has been around, or is currently innovating, or just those leaders that listen, having flexibility does job flexibility increase engagement across employees? Absolutely, it's been proven over the last year and a half um, that productivity increases while working from home. Um, several studies over the past few months show um, productivity while working remotely from home is better than working in an office setting. On average, those who work from home spend 10 minutes less a day uh, being unproductive, uh, work one more day a week, and are 47% more productive. And I think it, um, initially I thought, oh, maybe this is just a um, great stat for working moms from home. Um, but it's a case across um, different genders. It's, it's a case across different age groups. And I do believe that flexibility gives people more space to think and align and, and, and be productive. I have worked in a remote setting for close to four years now. And I would say that over the course of the last four years, I've performed in my career um, better than ever before. Um, so I'm happy to talk to you, Anvi, even further about um, what are the, the aspects of, uh, of that intimacy of working from home and aligning your work with your own schedule um, to be the top performer. Right. I love that. I, would, I think that that is a, a very critical and topical conversation happening right now across the workforce of this entire country, the entire world about what that looks like for employees as now their employers are starting to bring folks back to the office, give them that option. Um, you know, it, it's extremely relevant right now for them to say, what does this true, true, true work-life balance look like? And how do we measure it how do we ensure these employees are successful and you know um similar to you i've been working remotely for so long that you know sometimes i did forget that not everyone has so now there is this huge shift into everyone remote working and you know us trying to capture how do we make sure everyone is successful 
Yes, you bring a valid point, Anvi, and I am also curious to see, right, how this is going to work for us in our respective companies and our respective lines of work, um, but also how this is going to uh, reflect um, across the different industries that we support. How do our customers align on this remote flow, uh, remote flow? How do we support them in the best way we can? if not through um, video conference meetings, right. um, would there be an opportunity for us to be in the room, maybe not every day, but every other week um, to accomplish the best, uh, the most we can. Right. How can you be there without physically being there? I completely agree with you. Yes, yes that'll be a follow-up topic for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm so curious about this topic in general. And I remember even early last year, it sort of keeping me up at night and thinking through what that sort of um, work-life balance looks like, what the home remote life looks like. So let me ask you, why do you think today, especially today, flexibility to work from home or be remote matters more than, let's say, a title change or potentially a pay increase in some of those cases? Oh, that's one of my favorite topics, and I've read a lot in the press, and especially throughout the last several months, when some of the largest big, uh, largest tech companies um, shifted their approach to uh, the remote workplace. Right there, there was a mandate to come back at some point, um, and truthfully, in the in in a lot of industries, especially in the engineering industry oftentimes in sales uh, jobs, right? A lot of people have, have relocated and that's there to stay, right? These people are not coming back uh, to the office physically. It's not the entire employee set. It's probably around 40%, but employee, employers expect that 50% of their workforce is going to be diverse. They're going to have, either work remotely or have a, a hybrid work um, set up and you know these employees did it um, with a conscious mind that they will be potentially losing um, titles or ability to be in the office in front of the management or in front of the customers or relocating to less expensive um, geo geographies uh, would um, affect their pay and what's happened is that the demand for certain jobs, especially engineering jobs, is so high at the moment that um, the industry is making all sorts of accommodations, right, to retain that talent and allow them to work from where they need to work to, to continue to contribute to the success of the company. Um, again, it's a tough topic because not every industry and not every job function will benefit from it, um, but there is a lot of uh, proof points uh, that you know, um, even with a remote setup, um, your title and your pay should not be affected. Yes, absolutely. And for me, I think through the role from the leader side and from the employee side. So that's absolutely applicable on both sides. But how do you think those leaders can play that role? in that new work environment that features the more flexible space, the more remote work, what, what do they need to do, right? Like what do I need to do as a leader? What, does, what do our listeners out there need to do as a leader to make sure that that's enabled for them? 
any, any leader has to understand the company vision and work with the team and individual contributors to set up realistic goals to execute on the vision in a remote work environment. Um, Brene Brown's Dare to Lead book is a great uh, capture of brave leaders who understand the nuances of management in challenging conditions. And Dare to Lead breaks down the, the, the four courage building skills that make up brave leadership so that you can create an organization that takes risk, uncertainty, and failure in stride. And the reason I bring it up is because the leaders have to have a tremendous level of confidence that their employees in a new remote work environment are committed to the work that needs to be done. And they don't need to be supervised in the office setting to execute on it um, the best they can. So hopefully that gives you a flavor of how I think about the leaders and the role in the remote environment. Absolutely. Yeah, and I honestly, we'd be remiss in my, in my opinion to talk about employees and culture without mentioning Brene Brown. I think I do that on a very regular, very regular basis. And I actually, you know, I did a reread of Dare to Lead pretty recently. So it may, it is very top of mind for me and I'm sure all the listeners out there too. Um, I think that you touched on quite a few things that when we talk about leadership, that is really um, sometimes forgotten. Some of these these variables that you listed, which was, you know, creating an organization that takes that risk, that takes that uncertainty, um, especially failure in stride. So that's very important for me to hear. Yes. And, you know, one other thing, Anvi, that I wanted to add is that we all play a leadership role, right? It, it doesn't pertain just to our managers and their managers and their managers. It um, pertains to all of us who contribute in a remote setting and providing that level of leadership and encouragement to our colleagues and friends at work is, is critical um, because much like us, they're in the same situation. They, say, they sit behind the same set, uh, table on the, on the other yeah. side, um, maybe working from their mother's kitchen or from um, another right. setting that they haven't even thought about they would ever work from. Um, so extending that leadership and being thoughtful about um, who our colleagues are and what other challenges uh, they are coping with uh, during the same time is also critical. Let's talk about this employee recognition. I, I suppose the question would be, why is it employee recognition important for managers in a remote work environment, but how to, right? Like, why is it important, but how now do we deliver this in an effective way that is meaningful to this employee? It's a complex question, I would say, because depending on the work that you, that you do, right, you have potentially different milestones um, to, to fulfill. In a sales role, uh, the, the best measurement of performance is, uh, is, the, uh, is the revenue goal that we have to attain, right? And that's a fantastic proxy. And hitting that revenue goal and performing um, over revenue targets is, um, is a proof that uh, re remote work has not affected our ability to attain these goals. 
Um, but there are some other jobs, right, that um, are not measured the same way. And it could be a marketing job um, that um, is measured based on a project or a release of the product. Uh, the engineering work that is measured by another release of the code, right? Working with management on setting realistic goals and making sure that we stay in constant communication on progressing towards these goals and discussing the best ways and practices to attain them is really critical. And I think it goes both ways. It's the management's role to uh, reinforce and encourage, and it's the employee's role right, to participate and contribute and to ensure uh, that the work is, is done the best way they can execute on this work while maybe not having um, access to colleagues and managers and whiteboarding sessions uh, while being at the office. Okay, well, I mean, who would you say is a great example of shaping their company with the help of this employee feedback and making sure everyone is feeling engaged and supported? I think there's um, quite a lot of companies who've done an amazing job during this challenging time to ensure that their employees stay uh, engaged, educated, um, supported, and fulfilled during uh, the pandemic and post-pandemic time. I've been lucky enough to work at Salesforce, um, who I think has done an amazing job of supporting employees through this challenging time. Now I'm at Amazon Web Services and um, many, many thousands of employees continue to work remotely. And the way they stay connected, the way they fulfill the goals and commitments is um, um, quite fascinating to watch, uh, even in my early days at Amazon. So um, you, Andy, you've worked at Cisco, and I know that Cisco has been selected um, one of the top companies to work for year over year, regardless of the pandemic conditions. So I think there's a number of companies who've done an amazing job um, to, to continue uh, to support their employees and, again, promote the work environment that works for, for everyone. Um, so um, to answer your question, um, I've listed only a small sliver of companies who've done a really good job of doing it. I'm sure there's thousands and thousands of companies who've done the same and will continue to do the same as we move along. Yes, and it, you know that was a really good example. And when I was at Cisco, there, there was a huge emphasis on that sort of company culture and, and preserving what they had been working on for quite a while, even now with everyone going remote. And I do, I do give a lot of credence and respect to a company that works so hard to preserve that, even while they're going through this process that everyone has around, you know, COVID times and trying to um, manage the the product, the services, their what they're delivering to the customer themselves, putting equal emphasis internally on making sure those employees feel safe and that the culture is 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 still as strong as it was when we were doing those whiteboarding sessions in person <laughs> and meeting regularly and getting together and um, really trying to recreate that level of uh, innovation that we could do when we were in person. So for me, absolutely, I, I 
want to give shout outs to all of the companies doing that today and, um, you know, give them tips or tricks and um, access to people like you in terms of your tips and tricks of how to do that in today's world. Let me just kind of ask you at this point, you know, this has just been an amazing conversation. It always is when we, t when we talk, but is there anything else you want to tell our listeners today on this topic? Is there something near and dear to your heart that you just want to make sure is a key takeaway as they kind of um, think through this and they think about the, the culture for these, for these employees? Um, thank you, Anvi. Thank you again for an opportunity to meet. It's been um, such a recognition for me personally to be able to speak with you on this very important topic. And I had to do a lot of soul searching in my own transition uh, from Salesforce to AWS. I really needed to understand what's important to me at this career stage. Uh, what values do I support um, personally? And that are important to me as I move along in my future career progression. And one of the things that I wanted to call out is we all have to stay true to ourselves. We all have to soul search and determine what's best for us. Um, there's so many changes and there has been a lot of changes in our lives. A lot of people have changed jobs over the last two years. And a lot more will do so because they're going through the same soul searching on what's really important, where they need to be, what values um, do they cherish every day as they wake up. Um, for me, being active in, um, um, in different sports and, again, prioritizing this allows me to be a better person, allows me to come and have a cup of coffee and have a great day at work. It motivates me to stay connected with my friends and my colleagues at work, even though we work 10 plus hour days, right? Having that energy and um, focusing on my mental well-being <laughs> is, is, is quite important. And I wanted to encourage everyone to take that time, take the time off from work, um, do something for yourself, restructure your work, um, change your job if you need to, to make sure that you are thriving as an individual, regardless of what you do in life. So I will leave you, Anvi, with this uh, in closing. And if there are any other topics that you think would be relevant to, to, to continue discussing, I am very happy to meet with you again. I, I will quote that. And it is definitely something that I think everyone out there listening today will take to heart. Anna, this has been such a joy uh, in general. <laughs> I know our conversations always cover these types of topics. They touch B2B, they touch B2C, tech, culture, philosophy. Um, today, it just happened to be recorded. Uh, I know that there was tremendous value to our listeners, too, to be able to hear your story and your perspectives and to learn from you the way that I have for years. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Anvi. Until next time. Until next time. <laughs> and thank you to all of you out there who joined us today to listen in. I am Anvi Bui, Principal Consultant at A. Bui Consulting. 
And to learn more about us or to revisit this fireside chat with Anna Rouse or to see our future chats or library of best practice content, please visit us at abuiconsulting.com.